I am Brandon of Twex.com, and I, I draw the pictures. I'm Colin, and I uh, uh, write the words. Wow. That's awesome. That really is awesome. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Can you guys hear me okay? I've got a kind of a Jerry Riggs uh, mic here. You're actually you're, you're coming through quite well. Okay, great, great. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm in the back of a building. I have a studio now, and it's in the back portion, and there's dogs uh, kind of in the area. And they were barking like having a. Uh, they were singing a, um, a barbershop quartet thing earlier, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I, I try to uh, steer away from that a little bit. Um, uh, if, you, if you hear some dogs like in the background, that's uh, that's not Pooge. It's uh, it's uh, some random uh, random dogs. But... I'm going to I'm going to randomly accuse you of singing in a old dogs barbershop <laughs> in the middle of the podcast something I'd like to hear that that's, that's yeah. what's going to happen yeah that sounds like they maybe got to work on their harmony a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well there, there's one that's just entirely annoying and he's got this really chirpy kind of a and he's the one that's just non-stop so I do what I do is I go outside down the stairs and I stare at him for like two or three seconds and give him a mean look and he scours off <laughs> he'll come back like uh, five minutes later look around and see if i'm out there and he'll start all over <laughs> oh my gosh dogs what are we gonna do with them uh in my case i don't have any but i've got two cats and oh, that's God, enough yeah. for me that's yeah, enough for yeah. me i'm not really a cat person but uh, i i appreciate them um, i appreciate that they exist <laughs> well, they, yeah, well they uh 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 they're interesting in the fact that they uh, they have their own kind of uh, uh, culture, you know, different from dogs. I'm more of a dog person, they but definitely uh, I, I'm not around cats enough. But I do uh, I do like the ones uh, my friends have cats. And I go over and visit. Um, culture. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it. I would more call it something like uh, <laughs> Satan Spawn. But... Yeah, I think you've actually done some uh, a strip at one point. Uh, with a cat kind of a theme. What was that? Was that you or? Yeah, there was, well, there's, there was one in particular that I, I know which one you're thinking of. It was, um, back when I was doing, uh, MF office still. Oh yeah. And it was all the different things that a cat does around the house before it comes and washes you. <laughs> it was, it was the toilet. It was, it was head in the toilet followed by washing their crotch and their butt. Oh. And then immediately, uh, oh, aren't you so affectionate? Your face against theirs. Yeah. Uh, my, my neighbor uh, uh, has about four or, five, four or five cats. He's like this uh, old uh, hermit type guy. And he always says, oh, look at that cat. I, I, he talks like Mr. Magoo. He <laughs> says, uh, oh, look at that cat. He's uh, rubbing on my leg. Are you really showing me affection? I said, no, that cat's marking his territory. He that's, <laughs> that's exactly what he that is. He doesn't care about you, your leg, a chair, or, a tree. Those are, yeah, though, that's, they are rubbing their scent, their glands, <laughs> all up ons, saying, yes. that's mine, that's mine, <laughs> that is so totally mine, and I'm you're lucky. All I survey. Also, you're lucky the cat isn't doing the other thing it does to mark territory. Oh. That's actually, that's the, that's the level of, that's the level you want. If that's how the cat is marking territory on a regular basis, you're good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> Least, a totally socially acceptable level. Yep, least messy, <laughs> least smelly, but there is a level that they can go to, and that is... <laughs> yeah. 
It's just yeah, unfortunate. I've that level. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, just aim that somewhere else, please. Like out in the yard. Freaking cats. All uh, right, cool. Yeah, I'm really happy to talk to you guys. You know, it's been, uh, what was it, uh, 2012? It's been like two years. It has. It's been, it has been way too long. I mean, you guys always have a great conversation. I, I really, uh, I enjoy your podcast a lot. I mean, even when you guys are just shooting the, the bull, you know, it's a lot of fun to listen to. You know, it's it's very interesting, the little, the little uh, uh, tide pools you guys get into. <laughs> we, <laughs> You'll start talking about some random subject, and then it'll, like, go into that little area. And, we, uh, we rat hole from time to time. We, we do love, love our tangents. But it's, it's good because... Um, really is uh you know all four of you guys i'm, I'm speaking about you guys and, and Javis and, and uh saeed uh, y'all you guys are all real passionate about everything that you you talk about you know so it's always interesting no matter where it goes <laughs> well thank you <laughs> and i approve of it no matter where it goes you guys you guys have made some decisions about the way that you want to do your podcast and i respect that well, that hey, is that's fine nice. it's your podcast <laughs> No, I just, it's uh, just the earlier statements about the sailor talk. It's like, no, 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 Mark. It's cool. We're going to get it under control. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just like, it's all the outtakes. It just like ends up being like, you know, 50% of the podcast is, so Mark, beep, 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 So, so what, what, what are your thoughts on that subject? Actually, I have complete faith in you guys because we've done this before. That's true. Probably one of my, my, well, I find that to be my favorite podcast I've ever done. I appreciate and, that. You know, and there was a lot of spontaneous stuff that happened in that one. Now, of course, I've jinxed the entire podcast. <laughs> no, the, now the pod- your, It will be your dullest podcast ever. Worst, we're doing worst <laughs> podcast ever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Mark, we wanted to we wanted to talk about uh, trade agreements uh, between the U.S. and Canada. Where do you think those are going uh, in the next ten years? Do you prefer Section 8 or Section 9 of the new bill? Uh... You know what? You know, the slow as you are, the funniest and the most boring thing I can ever think of is at the end of those commercials where they, they do the disclaimers and they talk really fast. Oh. You know, it's like, a, you know, contents are available. Do not take his official medical advice. Please do not. Like, yeah. No. Yes. Yes. But they do it when they, when they read it. It's even more ridiculous you're like god i can't get away from it no matter what <laughs> i think they're faking it i think they have a dude that goes through the entire list really really slow and then they just crank up the speed like they just you know goes like all right post processing to be honest with you i've thought that that's what they did i really uh we have a a, a, a restaurant well it's a fast food place here called uh, jimmy john's i don't know if you guys have that it's a uh it's a uh where there's there's thing is they're really fast you order and you get your Sandwich delivered to you in like 10 minutes or something. And uh, they had this guy on the talking really fast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do they do that? And I thought, maybe they do speed it up. I mean, maybe he talks really low and then they speed it up and he goes, hi, it just sounds normal. It's yeah, no, no, that's a good, like, it's the Alvin and the Chipmunks effect, except, except the guy talks so deep that it sounds normal now. Yeah, maybe that, uh, you know, that doesn't, I can really see that because, you know, I've, I've done a little uh, audio, uh, put my, uh, kickstarter thing together and uh man you can do a, a ton of things nowadays <laughs> i don't know anything about anything but it's like you know audio stuff you can adjust the levels and the and the pitch and the and the uh the volume and i mean all kinds of really interesting things and, and those are that's just for just the average person you know you do you know I, 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 
you don't even really have to be all that equipped with uh, you know all the knowledge. You can just find it online. There's a there's a YouTube video or whatever it is that you're trying to figure out. It's true. Know? It's 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 quite a time to um, really be trying to do anything technological because it's just all at your fingertips. Really is, and you know, it's like a lot of drop and drag type stuff. You know, I mean, you're just like uh, you can just picture a, you know, uh, just the the, the most uh, uh, the most uh, untechnically savvy person just dragging stuff around and dropping it in a little box. You my know, favorite that'll that get you where you want to go. My <laughs> favorite like, thing about the whole YouTube thing now is that quite recently we were doing work uh, on our living area, and uh, the question is, uh, man. What do we need to do to properly mount this baseboard? What did we do? YouTube. Wow, isn't that amazing? Though? No books, I mean, no anything. And I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, yep, if this was, if I was in the age of 20 years ago, mm -hmm. I'm not handy at all. Oh, and, and you know, um, as an artist, we're, you know, we're blessed to be, to have Google images at our fingertips. Oh, it's true. I'm, For references? Yeah, you need anything. I mean, my God, you try to think of what the underside of a of a tractor trailer looks like or something. There it is. Just type yeah. it in, and you'll find it. How, you had how to, many angles would you like to see it at? Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. Exactly. You got exactly. You had to pay for that. And like there were there were like people had entire books of of reference material, and otherwise you had to go out. Oh my God, you had to leave the house. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! I don't want to leave the house to go see what a what a a tree looks like. I want exactly. the internet to tell me what a tree oh, looks like. Oh no! I like. mean, seriously, it's it is it's kind of like beyond <laughs> anything. I mean, you you couldn't have even imagined it twenty years ago. Oh, right? that is you know, hilarious. People, people had to pay for stock photos and they had to get oh, uh, images and books. Wow. And kind of, you know, now it's all free. You can find it somewhere. Somebody's got it on their blog somewhere. Did people <laughs> back in the day? Did they like just run around? I'm wondering, like, just with a camera, like, 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 you know, like a, a Polaroid, and just like snap pictures of everything they needed. It's like just really uh, creepily, like, oh my god, you are perfect for this thing I'm trying to draw. Could you just just stand there for just okay, bye. And you just run, pachink, bye. You know, I think you're, that's probably what they did. Plus, uh, I remember when I was a kid reading about my favorite cartoonists. They always talk about their what they call their morgue file, which is. Like they would clip photos out, and they put them in uh, in uh, folders about you know cars and buildings and and trees, and they would just have these little photo references, probably like out of like National Geographic and things like that. And uh, that's how they, I think that's how they used to draw. Uh, I watched, I, well, no, I, I watched um, uh, Dear Mr. Watterson uh -huh. on Netflix quite recently, and that's, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what he did. He had a specific part of his town that he went to to get a very specific perspective uh -huh. on the town for the comic. And it was the comic where, where uh, Calvin is, is giant and stomping through town oh, and he's yeah, I love that one. picked up the popcorn shop and everything in it. They show you all the pictures of the town. It's exact. Like it's like he didn't, he spared no detail in doing it. And the only way he could have got that perspective is either a picture or like a perspective shot from that exact part of town. Yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy when you when you think about it. It's like yeah, it's all Google Books. Well, it, to, to be honest with you, it gives me more admiration for those guys because uh, uh, you know you, uh, even before they had cameras, you know, back at the uh, you know the twenties and thirties, uh, where they had access to real real stuff that we have, 
they had to visualize that stuff. You know? They had yeah. to sketch it out, and they had to, like this guy, um, Windsor McKay, are you familiar, familiar with his work? Windsor, Mc Windsor McKay? Yeah, the uh, uh, he did the Little Nemo character. I know. The kid, the oh. kid would fall asleep, and he'd have a dream, and he'd go to this fantasy Oh, movie. yeah, 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 yeah. I did, I did see that one in, in this documentary. Yep. Yeah, he, he did uh, a lot of, uh, you know, he would draw, like, uh, staircases and draw, like, every single step and every little ornate uh, handle or, or uh, you know, the uh, all the wallpaper. His and, stuff was extremely detailed. Really, it was, really was. Yeah. And, you know, back, that was back in the days when the when the Sunday paper was, like, an entire section of it. it was the, like, you'd open it up and there it was. It was, like, the whole newspaper. Yep. So he'd have he'd have all this detail and all these like you know fifteen or sixteen or twenty panels. Oh, and the originals were ridiculous. Like the originals oh, yeah. were huge. Like, yeah, well, you know, uh, at the uh, the place that I was working before, we handled a lot of original art, and uh, they would bring those large pages in, like his and uh, what was that other bringing up father, um, George uh, McManus. Uh, yep. Those those pages from that era, uh, and Dick Tracy's Dick Tracy's were poster size, you know. Yep. The thing about Dick Tracy that I think was really interesting is that each of those panels that you saw on those big Sunday pages, they were all individual panels that he would cut and mount onto another big piece. And the reason I think that that was going on was because he had a, he had people helping him. You know, he'd probably have two or three people doing different things at once, and then at the end of the day, they paste it all up. Well, because you know? then that makes it easy to do the layouts. Yeah, it does, yeah. Like you're thinking and, about you know, it, it's like, yeah, we don't have Photoshop, and if he didn't like the panel placement... Like, if he worked on the first few, and people were doing different panels, and the panel placement didn't work out, then that's, like, that's a nightmare. But then you're talking about literally cut and paste. Yes. Not Photoshop <laughs> cut and paste. It's yeah. literally, oh, I just created a new layer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you, you know, the, the computer just, uh, it, it's, it's just uh, mind-blowing when you, when you compare, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to... I've been around when uh, we used to have to wax uh, the backs of paper and stick it down onto the on a, on a, on a board. Like say we were doing a layout, yeah. we'd have the headline, and then we would wax wax it on the back, and then we would burnish it down on the paper. And then your copy would go here, and then over here you drop the photo in that was already um, it already had the dot pattern screen already created on it, and then they would burn. Uh, a negative from that whole paste up. So you didn't really have a computer. You had to just sort of manually hand uh, hand cut everything. And I remember uh, back, uh, this isn't really that long ago. It was probably decades ago, but it doesn't seem that long. But we, we would have to, like say, we would have a uh, some lettering that would have to go around a circle. Like say uh, you had a circle and had inside the circle you had some uh, image. And you wanted the letters at the top of the circle to kind of arc over the circle. Uh, I remember having to go in and literally cut in between each of the letters and, and visually angling each of the letters to make that arch. Oh, I mean, oh wow. It, now it's like it's like bare skins and knives, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Getting, well, getting the spacing right on that would well, have been miserable. So oh, what's, yeah. what's hilarious to me now, so I've, I went, I've been exclusively digital with the comic for two and a half, three years now? Yeah. Uh -huh. No, 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 even physical sketches, just 100% everything is digital. Cool. And then last year I started, I, I was feeling the need to do some, some originals. And, and so I started working on, 
the sketches and inking and the coloring and all throughout the process while I'm using the pen I wanted to do undo I wanted yeah. to cut and paste something and move it to a different place. I wanted to shrink some. I want like all these things I'm doing with the sketch, and I'm just like, I look at my <laughs> my pencil and I'm like, oh yeah, there's an eraser. That's that's what I got. That's that's it. That is my option. I do uh, I do all my my coloring is all done digitally, and you know sometimes uh, when I'm inking and and all that stuff. I may have something that does doesn't look balanced or whatever, so I might shift some stuff around and and kind of adjust it a little bit in Photoshop. But the other day I was sketching, I had this uh, 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 this scene that I did, and I thought, you know, this doesn't really quite look right. So I, I erased it. The whole panel, I just took a big eraser and I started erasing it, and I thought, oh, you know what? I do kind of like this. I think, and I, I, I in the back of my mind, I was doing it with my fingers, the command Z. <laughs> <laughs> I was yep. like, uh, no, it's gone for good now. <laughs> if you're not doing it's it with your fingers, back. you're doing it mentally. He's like, oh, man, I do, I do. Oh, crud. Yeah, now. And, and you know, uh, the, the thing is, you know, uh, I've come from, I come from the old school, you know. And uh, the, the way people are doing things now digitally, I mean, it's it really is truly amazing, the work I'm seeing. It's just completely, incredibly beautiful stuff. It, it doesn't really matter. It's like we talked about before. It's just... It's just another tool, but uh, you know it comes in so so handy in a lot of ways. That just things that you don't even wouldn't even think of. Uh, for instance, um, uh, I've been doing these uh, uh, bug comics the last couple of weeks. These, I've been doing a lot of like little bug characters, and uh, I get you know how I told you before. I'm just I get bored really easily, so uh, I'll go <laughs> off on a tangent. Right now I'm I'm in bug world, and they don't really have really anything to do with zombie boy, but they're fun. <laughs> but um, my point is, um, the other uh, the last trip I did, uh, I wanted I have this little bug character, and I wanted him to be really tiny uh, on these bubbles. You know, I had drawn him really large, and I was thinking, you know, this at the rate this bug is, he's he's about a, a seven inch tall bug on, <laughs> on a bubble, and I really wanted him to be really tiny. So of course, you know, Photoshop, you just grab it, shrink it down, yep. position it where you want it, and you're done. And then you got it. It's a perfectly drawn little character. It even looks better because it's even tinier, more detail. And I thought, you know what? If I if it was old school, I would have to go back in there and redraw every single one of those bugs. I mean, to make it look right. And that's one of the thrills about working digitally is because you do have all those options. You know, new possibilities. And then, well, and there's a lot of stuff. And then, like in Photoshop, it allows you to do so many wonderful things. You know, there's so many things that I'm discovering all the time how you can do things and I've been playing around with a lot of different brushes have you guys have you looked into those friendin brushes have you ever used any of those or I haven't I'm I'm pretty static with my brushes for the most part well there, there's a there's there's just a lot of options out there that people have created all this really wonderful um, these tools you can use and uh, in my digital I do digital work with my freelance work a lot of times and I did this uh, illustration of, it was like 60 different people in this one drawing. It was a, a golf team. And I did it all digitally. And it was just fascinating to me because I've never done anything completely digital. I've always hand-drawn everything. And um, I was in there painting with these different brushes. And I had all these uh, like washes and, and oil paints that I could use. And I was just, man, I was really loving it. It was just freeing because I didn't have to worry about getting any paint on my pants or 
you know, if I didn't like something, I could just wipe it out real quick. There's no cleanup. There's no cost of materials. It's just... Well, you, you get to, to, I guess, focus on the art. All of the um, kind of pomp and circumstance that comes along with needing to do art, typically, it's, it's just gone. You just get to draw. It's going to be so quaint 30 years from now when the new art movement is laughing at us for having to use drawing tools uh, when they just get to imprint whatever's in their mind <laughs> digitally into a virtual world. And they're like, man, you have to use your hands to make art? Wow. That's so... Wow. We're just well, like, whatever, we're old school. <laughs> well, I mean, you're joking about it, but I, I really believe it's going to happen. I, I, I only half jest. Hey, you know what? I'm keeping all of this... And we're this far into the podcast, and so I'm going to say it, Twext Podcast. <laughs> hey, I like it. I like how you just kind of work, work that in there. I'm Brandon of Twext.com, and I draw the pictures. I'm Colin of Twext.com, and I write words. And I'm Mark Stokes of Zombie Boy Comics, and I write, draw, and uh, I also do janitorial work around the studio. So, okay. I'm kind of multitasking. That's that uh, multi-talented, multifaceted, toilet cleaning. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. It's true. I that share is... a studio with. They don't want to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh man! It's, it's, it's like a frat, a frat, a fraternity up here. You know. I hope we they. Have, uh, we have a one of the guys' wives comes up here and she cleans on uh, Fridays and. She always has this look on her face like something doesn't smell right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> not, it's not me, I guarantee you. It, I, probably, I probably swear, guys. <laughs> guys, I'm clean. It's fine. No, seriously. Uh, about uh, seven <laughs> months ago, I joined the studio uh, uh, with a couple of other artists here. And uh, it's been really interesting because I'm learning how to do things. Uh, new, new. I'm learning new skills like... Uh, I've never really been a caricature artist, but uh, I'm training to uh, go to parties and uh, draw, you know, cartoons of people, things like that. So, nice. and when you're when you're self-employed, you really have to find all these options, you know, to try to get income coming in in a lot of different ways. And uh, you know, that's been a real interesting thing for me because I I've always been able to draw people pretty well, but uh, you have to. There's a fine line between being really nice and being really vicious. Uh, oh, when, when it comes to caricatures? Yeah, it's yeah, true. And I found that the more vicious you are, the less money you make. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they, of course, you tell them, uh, they tell you, hey, you know, uh, do something really, I don't care what you do, just, you know. Right. Uh, so you maybe, you shouldn't emphasize uh, their unibrow and <laughs> cross eyes quite as much as you originally exactly. planned to. And one word of caution uh, on women especially, watch the nose. Oh, Watch the nose and watch the, the, the cheeks because if you make them a little, uh, if you make them a little um, voluptuous in the face, they they kind of think you should thin them down a little bit. So, so you, can, you, just, you you want to exaggerate certain features because it's a caricature. You just have to be very careful which ones you you choose yes. to exaggerate. You uh, you have to highlight the beauty, uh, or, and if they if there's no beauty, you have to make it up. <laughs> and, uh, there's me, no beauty. I'm so you don't want that. Do you, yeah. I was going to say, have you ever had to say, have you ever had to look, I'm, so, I'm sorry, 
I cannot find a single redeeming quality about you. It, look, look, look. Yeah. I will draw this caricature, but it is not going to look like you. It's going to be my favorite actress. I'm just warning you it's right now. It's going to be my favorite actress. So You're a exactly. dude. You say, uh, lady, uh, I'm just a, a cartoonist. I'm not a lady, lady, I'm just a cartoonist. <laughs> hey, I'm a man. <laughs> and we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. It's, it's interesting, though, because uh, I'm a pretty outgoing person when it comes to talking with people, so I'm really good with a lot of times it's just entertaining you. You try to keep them entertained while you distract them uh, enough to where you'll get a smile out of them and, and hopefully you'll put that into your drawing. But a lot of times people will not smile. No matter what you try to do, they just will not smile. Some people just don't want to smile. Even with their teeth, uh, their mouth closed. Some people you just can't get a smile out of them. And those are the ones you just have to draw what you what you see. You can't make a smile. You, know? you can, but it just wouldn't fit their personality. You know? Who yeah. took the joy from your life? Exactly. Where exactly. has it gone? Granite jaws, you know. Oh man. I, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you've probably run into a few people like that. I don't work with anybody like that. What? <laughs> what? All right. So books, <laughs> books, books, segues. Wow. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <I got> so, <laughs> so smooth. I did not deserve a fast he's, clap. Uh, he's bowing right now, just so you know. I didn't deserve the fast clap. He's bowing. That was only slow clap worthy. Uh, so you're working You're working on a book. You're working on a collection of the, the first year of Zombie Boy. Uh, it'll be the first uh, 200 strips, which oh. will be about a year, and a, a year and a half, I guess. Cool. Oh, by the way, uh, I just finished my 600th strip. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, wow. I sat down the other day and I was figuring out like what that broke down to, and uh, what it ended up being was uh, I spent about five hours for each strip. That's on an average, so that was about three thousand hours, and I broke that down into twenty-four hours a day, and that came out to one hundred twenty-five days, and then I broke that down into months. So it was about a four, four and a half months of solid work with no sleep. With no sleep. It's, it's as if I, if I were to work 24 hours a day for four and a half months, that's how much work I've, <laughs> I've put into this strip so far. And this, that's not counting like the six bottles of ink and then the stack of Bristol board and the four or five brushes that I've gone through. So um, you know, it's weird because people think, oh, 600 strips, that's, that's, you know, that's, that sounds good. But, and then there are people like George Ford with Adanac City, and I know he's way beyond 600 strips, you know. My point being is that uh, it, it is a milestone, uh, but people don't realize, and you guys can attest to this, how much work we do put into this stuff. I mean, it, it is, it's time consuming. Well, and even and, digitally right now, I'm, so like, I can't comprehend the concept of going through the way that you do it very traditionally. And uh, even then, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, like, over the time we've been at this, because we haven't always done just like straight twexed, mm -hmm. like official twexed comics, we're hitting three hundred soon. Uh huh. But that doesn't include all of the TWCs that Colin's done. That doesn't include all the MF offices that I did. That doesn't include all of the extra pieces we've done. That doesn't include Tough and Wiener. That doesn't include Tips for Immortals. So you don't include uh, uh, Tough and Wiener with the. Um 
with the main body of strips. Uh, no, it, it it's a complete. It's it's meant to be a complete standalone and doesn't actually count towards oh, okay. the total. Uh, I, I I haven't seen those lately. Are you taking a break from those? It's or? funny you should say that. Um, <laughs> we've actually we've had a a, a three strip uh, plot line finished for weeks and. Oh, Every single month. time we attempt to post one, we're like, "Oh, we got an idea. Oh, it's time sensitive. Let's put it ahead of the, of the tough and wieners." So there's what there's three of them just waiting. Well, those are those are really a lot of fun, and uh, I love. I those really cars. wanted to compliment you, Brandon, on the. I, I noticed that in those strips, you're you really kind of like experiment, and uh, you you play around with the lighting and the uh, the shading and. Uh, um, they're a lot of fun. I, I, every time I, when I open up your page and I see the gray, you know, the gray <laughs> of the, of the strip, I'm like, all right, we got to do it now. You know, I always really enjoy those. So keep them up. They're really fun. No, I appreciate that. They're actually, it's, I, I, I'm not a color guy. I'm still not a color guy. I do all comics, all the comics in color, but, uh, black and white is really my forte. So I, I feel like I can flex a little bit more with Tough and Wiener, especially because they're more simple characters. So I, I really do appreciate that. Well, um, I know that's a combo, both of you guys. So, I mean, the writing is great, too. I mean, it's... Um, and before I forget, I've been really wanting to uh, say something to Colin about the... We were talking earlier about the Photoshop stuff. And uh, for the for the TWTs, do you... I noticed that you do... Um, there is some Photoshop work going on there because there's a lot of times where you're holding a gun or... Or there's something going on with with you, and, and I know that you had to have put that together. Or how much of that is done? Do you combine? Is it is it a mostly a photographic process, or do you spend some time and put stuff together? Or uh, you know what? It's um. I mean, maybe the gun you're holding is actually the gun. I'm looking at it right now, but I'm just thinking: is it is it mostly just staged, and then you just shoot uh, shoot the photos and put them together like they are? Or it's, you... it's mostly staged actually, and you know what? I I live alone, so so it, <laughs> there is some <laughs> interesting mechanics that that go into taking those photographs. Um, there there have been a couple of TWTs that have involved some Photoshop work, and I have employed uh, my dear brother for those for those times, but. Uh, the majority Those are so rare, though. They're very rare. The majority of what you see is is, is stage photography, and I've I've got. Uh, do you know what do you know what makes those strips though, Colin? It, it, it's you know they're fun and and, and the subject and, and the, uh, the the jokes are great and everything. It's your expression, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, your, your, your expressions just steal the show all the time. Oh. It's like look at that. <laughs> what, what Colin doesn't tell you is that. Uh, He's actually deeply troubled, and that um, the TWTs are actually uh, little private plays and performances uh -huh. that yeah. he puts on in stages with his toys alone in his apartment. Thank, thank you, thank you, older brother. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, whenever I see them, they're always interesting, and it's, it's almost like um, at some point you you actually start believing that you do have a relationship with these toys. <laughs> You know I mean, what? Because it, of the personalities are, that you put into it, they're hysterical. Look, it's even ultimately, more ultimately what it, ultimately what I'm really doing is I'm having a conversation with myself, and and <laughs> no, it's true, it, and it's it's fun in that way, in that I get to kind of project my voice and maybe yeah. some of my opinions onto uh, an inanimate thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with it. And I have a lot of fun with the expressions. Because normally he only gets to project those things onto me, and then he's got to deal with my translation of them, and that's just whoo. 
But actually, well, so I was going to say, you know, cartoonists, you know, people uh, don't understand. We, we that's really basically what we do. We do have conversations with ourselves. But <laughs> I think in your case, it's even more because you know I sit here and I hide behind my drawings. You know, you got some big cojones to get out there and show yourself and you know put yourself actually in the strip, which oh. is. You know, you don't see a lot of cartoonists. They might appear and, like, make a guest appearance or something, and it's a drawing. It's not actually, you know, a photograph. I try not, so, I try not to, I guess, think about it too hard. Um, because when I started doing the TWTs, I, um, we, we weren't particularly popular. I, we, we didn't have a, a ton of followers, and I guess I didn't really think about the ramifications of having photography of myself up there beyond, you know, what you would think about when you were posting a photo on Facebook or something like that. Uh -huh. But then I had a TWT that hit, I don't know, 50,000 uh, of viewers. And the first time that it just, that, that one started to throw me a little because now it, now it was so out there. So many people were looking at you, <laughs> Colin. <laughs> they were all looking at you. So yeah, it was weird. But you know what? Now, I, now it's just a thing I do. Um, Are you planning to put all those into a publication at some point? That would be super hard. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I well, made it. I mean, you, you say that, but you know uh, those strips are actually formatted pretty. I think it'd be pretty easy for you to, to translate. They would actually up. work in a in a call it in, in a taller format. Yeah, I'd have to have a tall format. They, they, would, would, they be... would actually work that way. But I think that'd be a really cool format. You know, <laughs> no. We were talking about. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I first brought up the idea of doing a, a, a collected volume, I, I went to a couple of forums and I asked people, what, what do you, what forums, I mean, what uh, formats do you like? And um, people were saying, oh, well, there's the, the, the standard format that people love right now is the, the format that they use for, um, it's, it's like a standard graphic novel size. I, I forgot exactly what the size was. But for me to use that format, I would have to, Put my strips like five or six up and make them microscopic, you know, because yeah. my format is more horizontal. So I uh, kind of nixed that idea. And but for for you know for you and, and these these strips, you know, you can move them and, and shift them around. And, but but then again, I'm looking at them and they're very well carefully laid out. So I think maybe having a, a, a taller format might work. But then I was told that when they're in shops and things. The dealers don't like really weird, odd formats because it's hard for them to find a place to put them. Right. They don't like them for the shelving. Oh, that they makes sense. I didn't really thought of that. absolutely despise them. So, yeah. like, that's why we at least found a semi-standard for for for, for, yeah. for what we did. Uh, get, getting back to what you were originally saying about uh, uh, Tough and Wiener, though, I really do have to give full credit to, to Colin for writing the visual gags in a way that yeah. it is actually quite easy for me to 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 draw them i have to well, give one, one thing i always have to credit keep in there mind when I'm, I'm talking to you guys is that it's it's a it's a team effort with you guys and for me to actually like point out one of you guys over the other it's really not um that's not really the intent i think i Ooh, i want to i, I want to uh i want to compliment you both individually but you know i just i just came up with like the worst most awkward twext interview question imaginable uh oh. The worst, most awkward one I could do. It has to be me. You ready? You ready for this? It's also, it's because you're so nice. Which one of us lives or dies? It's just, well, no, it's which yeah, no, actually it does play to that because it's which Oliver brother is your favorite. <laughs> I could do like what my friend does whenever somebody asks him a question that he doesn't want to answer, he goes, Well, you know, 
funny thing. Well, actually, I think <laughs> is the one I really prefer to uh, over the other. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's I'm uh, I'm going to claim that more of those syllables were from my name than from yours. <laughs> it's like when people cough under their breath. Yeah, I was going to say you miss the, <laughs> Colin. You miss the subtle nuances. Seriously, he's not paying attention. That's why you're the worst. Um, you know, well, uh, speaking of. Uh, uh, Tough and Wiener, are you planning to maybe put those together into a collection? I think that'd be a lot of fun. So the, the plan with that is actually at some point, if we ever get to doing our Patreon, we want to make it available as a comic, like an actual comic book. Oh, that'd be great. So they lend themselves really well to that, and since they follow story arcs, it'd be kind of that traditional kind of... Uh, you digest. Know, you see the cover. Yeah, it's a digest. Like It's yeah. like... 50 stories in one, like, you know, those kinds of things where you're yeah. reading, it's like, you get so many stories, and there's something really kind of um, uh, uh, mystery pulp style on the on the cover. That's exactly what I was thinking when yeah. you said that. It would be really cool for you to, to emulate some of those really classic uh, pulp-looking covers, but put, it, put your own twist on it. That That um, is what we would like yeah. to do. And that way, it would be, that would be a lot of fun. It, it, would, it would be... Uh, you know, because the covers always had those, like, uh, thrilling, uh, you know, women were tied up onto a table, and the murderer was standing over her with a knife, and then there was a shadow on the wall, and, and then, you know, Doc Savage was peeking around the corner, you know, whatever, like, he's about to bust through the door, or whatever, you know, or, or maybe it wasn't even Doc Savage, you're talking about the real true crime ones, and there were always some woman in some sort of desperate situation. It's all about the Railroad dames. tracks. All about the dames. Well, yeah, that, that's what... Uh, I guess that must have sold a lot of books uh, when they had a, a woman in distress on the, on the cover. Oh, and I'm not really making I a joke so. about that. I think that was actually a... And some of those are so beautifully rendered. I mean, they're gorgeous paintings. Oh, it's true. No, I, like before they were in print, like if you ever saw an original, yet again, if something like that, it's like, wow. Like the print doesn't do it justice. Oh, yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you think about how far we've come uh, in publishing and printing. The printing process is so much beautiful, uh, more beautiful now than it was even five years ago. I mean, you know, digital printing. I remember when that started coming out. It was like it just looked like a like one step above a Xerox. You know, it just didn't quite look great. And now, man, you get these books and you're like, look at this. You know, it's just amazing. And, and it's very limited print runs too, which is amazing. You know, what I'm so really I'm, oh sorry. You know what I'm really yeah. impressed by? I'm impressed the fact that I asked Mark about the book. And the witness has dodged the question. Well, I was just about to say, <laughs> I, you know, I, you're talking about kind of the digital format and and I guess how it's maybe a little bit easier now. Um, you know, looking back, print was kind of your original medium for for Zombie Boy. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing kind of the web format for a while, so. How how does it feel to to go back? What what similarities are you finding, and 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 what's changed? Well, I could tell you the first thing that's changed is uh, print runs. I mean, uh, <clears throat> when I was uh, doing my own self publishing, you know, you had to have a, a limited, you had to have a, a certain amount of printed because uh, they wouldn't do it for any less than say five thousand books or ten thousand books or something like that. So that's really changed. I mean, and now uh, print on demand, that's just amazing to me that you could print a thousand or five hundred or two hundred or a hundred or fifty books and they all look beautiful. Uh, and you can print them as you need them. That's the 
to me that blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, and and the quality has changed a lot. Um, back when I was doing Zombie Boy, most of my Zombie Boy books were printed with pulp, you know, regular comic book paper, uh, that really cheap pulp paper with the with the slick cover, just like a regular comic, except there was no color. And they would be on these huge presses. And uh, I went to visit one of the printers once, and they had these rolls of paper that were as big as, um, I would say, like uh, like you know the the, uh, <clears throat> the size of one of those big. Uh, garbage uh, trash bins that you have like behind apartment complexes you know those those big green uh, uh, dumpsters right about that big but a big huge circle uh, you know that they would take that and they would roll and that would that the newspapers would come off of that and things like that and you know of course nowadays you don't have to worry about the, the ink smudging off on your fingers or the uh, the paper turning yellow after about two two three years <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, some of my early books, I mean, it's so funny. You look at them and it's like the paper is, uh, you know, it's it's part of, of the fact that it is a, a piece of living material. You know, paper is uh, uh, just residue from a tree. And ink is, uh, well, I guess I can't really explain what that is, but I'm sure it's pro probably some kind of chemical. But, uh, you know, it's the effect of all that stuff combined. Uh, uh, the thing about having an actual book in your hand, though, as opposed to having everything like online or whatever, it's just. Um, I know you guys just published a book recently, right? We did. And was that the first time you have uh, published your work in print? That is correct. Okay, so tell me this: when you got that book, how did it feel? <laughs> oh, it it, it, it okay, just so it feels right. It, it it just like we open the boxes and you just kind of. You open it and you flip through, you look at the back, you look at the front, like it's, there's, there's no replacement for a 3D object. I know, I, I felt, and I mean, it's, it's an odd word to use, I suppose, but we've been web since we started, and it added, not that I didn't feel legitimate before, but it added a level of legitimacy to the work. Yep, that's right. And the other piece that I like, and this is actually a quote from, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um... <laughs> But but uh, Niles uh, at one point he's he's in the library and they're, he's talking oh, about Giles. or Giles crap thank you um, he's he's talking about why he prefers books over like all that like they're looking up things on the internet and he's like books books are smelly they smell and I'm like you know what that's right like you also when you when you first get especially a brand new book you breathe it in like there's the you, you smell all the the work that went into right. it. No, no, I, I got you. I, I'm right there. I understand. There's no... Di digital doesn't have a smell. It doesn't have a feel. You don't flip through the pages. There's no sound. There's no tactile. That's right. Uh, until digital gets to that point where you've got, you know, real paper and... Well, I, okay, I don't know if I like where I'm going with the smell no, part. No. You should probably just stop <laughs> now. You know, you're, what you're talking about really is you're, you're saying smell, but really, it's not just smell. It's it's all your senses. It's like your your sense of touch, your sense of smell, your sight. You're looking at these colors. You're looking at the the actual line on paper. It's it's. I mean, uh, you you understand now. You are now one, one with uh, with us. Uh, those of us who have been published before. It's a, it's just an amazing feeling. And I I always refer to it as getting ink in your veins. You know, because once you have a little taste of it, you think, hmm, what can I do next? You know, what, what, what's the next 
project that I can get in print. And and you know, uh, I was uh, reading something the other day, and it was about um, it was Steve Jobs actually, and he said something along the lines of uh, the only thing that uh, what we do is not really important, but what we leave behind is all that really matters. What we do and what we leave behind, like our children, our our our, our works, or our um, legacy, that's all we have. You know, once we're gone, that's it. What we have left behind is we'll stick around. And you know, I keep thinking, um, uh, this is kind of along the same lines, but I have a friend who uh, he's a a uh, ceramicist, him and his wife, they make ceramics. And he has done this, a real, he's a really kind of silly, uh, uh, funny, uh, he's a cartoonist, but he's a, now a ceramicist. He had made this mold of his face. And what he had done was he had taken his face and he had created all these other pieces of art that was, uh, revolved around his face. He had like, he made himself a, a, into a, 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 a koi with a, his face on the front of this big fish. And he did like an octopus with his face on it. He did all these masks and like a green man with leaves on his face. But it was still all these things based on his face. Well, in the back of, of their property, they have this big tree and it's dying tree. But he is way up at the top of the tree. He has taken his face and he's tacked it to the tree. And we keep joking with him like, you know, somewhere down the line, like a thousand years from now, when that tree, you know, becomes petrified or whatever, and some alien, some future race, He's going to find that tree and worship it as a god. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think that that tree had a face. It's you. It's going to be like the planet of the apes all over again, except my friend Dan is going to be the uh, the chosen one that people always uh, think about. But my point is that what you leave behind, you know, I consider this the stuff I do on, on the Internet to be great, but unless it's in print form, I don't think it's ever it's, it's not going to stick around. Digital digital media feels very um, feels temporary. Feels transitory because it's there one second and it's gone the next. And you can view it anytime you want. But there is going to be theoretically a point in time where the servers that are housing those digital files will no longer be up and running, or they'll be replaced. And that that whereas there's a very tangible way because we've done this that you can very carefully for a very very long time keep written works physical works and even then if that starts to break down before it happens you can transcribe it so yet again i mean yeah those digital images could be copied to a new server but you know maybe they don't all come along for the ride it's it's this whole concept of of archiving and that even gets interesting digitally whereas you know physically it's like where do you go well there's a central repository where we've archived everything that we found in terms of written and printed works. Mm-hmm. And and there is something a little bit more permanent feeling about of that because of its tangible nature. Well, I'm totally on the same page with you. I think we're all kind of... Well, I mean, it really gets to... Uh, uh, the way I look at it is uh, it's really uh, what I'm leaving behind. You know, I mean... Um, and, and that and that also could be on different levels as well, you know. But physically, I do have stuff that once I'm passed uh, on, then you know I have something somebody might pick up one day and go, "Hey, who who was this guy? Uh, I can't I can't read this thing, whatever." But uh, 
you know, they'll see my work and they'll think, um, wow, this is kind of interesting or whatever. Even if it's just one person, at least I have some residue, you know. Oh, man, I, they are going to open our book and be like, wow, what was up with these guys? They were obsessed with anatomy and and poop and, oh, wow. <laughs> Thinking about legacy now, it's like, huh? Man, what are we leaving behind? What are we leaving behind? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's like it gets back to it's. A, it really, really is a, a personal statement. You know, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's our sort of like our journal. Yeah. Because even though uh, Zombie Boy doesn't really relate to me personally, uh, all the jokes and. And, and, and all the inspirational things that come out of it uh, are coming out of my life, you know? I mean, I, if I had to sit and write down every strip and where I got the inspiration for it, I could probably come up with some pretty great stories, you know? Because I can remember what inspired that particular uh, gag or whatever. And, and you know, and in some ways, it really is. And the fact that we're producing this stuff on, on a regular basis, it becomes almost like, hey, uh, like, I'll give you a good example. Uh, I did a strip recently um where uh like i told you i'm doing these bugs and, and it's like these little bug cartoons and i was walking my dog and i looked <clears throat> it, it rained and i looked down on the ground and there was this huge leaf and inside the leaf was just it was filled with uh like rainwater and i thought hmm, that's kind of interesting so what i did was i put one of my bugs in a little leaf inside the big leaf so it was like he's rowing across this lake and the, the camera backs up and you realize the lake is actually just inside a leaf, okay? Yeah, so the, two, the, the two little bugs but, are out uh, for this leisurely, this leisurely paddle, and and yeah, it's just it's a little leaf inside of a bigger leaf. No, it, and the whole microcosm that that creates, it's yet again exactly. that's an insight into what you were doing at the time. Exactly, that was just something that I saw on my way to work into the studio, and I was like, you know, I'm going to sketch that out. I carry a little small. Uh, a uh, little miniature notebook with me with a little pencil. And uh, when I don't have it, of course, I come up with a lot more ideas. But uh, I'll jot down a little note or I'll put it on my cell phone. I'll write down like a, just a, try to, some little thing that would remind me of what I was thinking of. Um, but um, I don't know how you guys uh, uh, keep your jokes and gags and ideas um, uh, at your fingertips. But I know if you're like me, there are a lot of times where you thought of a really great idea you just didn't have anything that you could actually write it on so you thought to yourself okay i'm going to make a mental note it's uh it has something to do with a spoon oh no and it never and uh like a, a microwave okay, i remember just... i remember what you're talking about because it was the worst before i had before i had any kind of phone before i had an ipod touch before i had any electronic device like that and and my wife can remember this very clearly I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would shoot up, like as I was falling asleep. She would probably already be asleep, and I would, I would start, you know, shuffling around on my my bedside table, trying to find something, anything. And I would try and find a light source and a writing utensil, and I would just go. And then you'd wake up in the morning. And then I'd wake up in the morning and look at it. And I look at her. What does it mean? <laughs> what did I write to myself? Lampshade party. Lampshade party. Really? <laughs> this is what I gave myself. God, I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, and I've and done that too. And and actually, one, one one other step to that would be that you wrote it down. Either you were half asleep, or you just were kind of in semi darkness, 
and you just write it down, and then we wake up in the morning, and you say, you can't read it, because the letter, yeah. there aren't letters. You actually have written something, but it doesn't make any sense. And then you're Most trying part. to decipher the mummy's code, and you're just like, well, oh, that went really well. So now, it's, it's really funny that you ask, because these days, I never have that problem anymore. Oh, really? Because because smartphones. Yeah, my so for better or for worse, my cell phone is an appendage, and and, and it's just always there. So now combine that with Dropbox, and so Colin and I are both have a shared area in Dropbox, so we have an ideas spreadsheet. Oh, that's amazing. And then we just update that. And even if we don't get to updating it through our smartphone, because smartphones don't necessarily handle Excel all that well, even yeah. then, I can write it into my notepad on my smartphone. I can send an email to myself to remind myself. I can put it into Evernote. I can do all of these different things. Again, technology saves completely the day. prevent me from losing those ideas like I used to. So I can actually take the time as like, even if it's just a short thing, there's no scribble, there's no deciphering. It's, I write it down, oh, <laughs> that was enough to trigger my memory. Although, uh, in the middle of the night, when you uh, try and turn something that's true, uh, and put it on your, your cell phone, it is brighter than a thousand suns. Oh, God, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You do that's pay for that. You do pay for then, that. And then there's the old uh, random idea in the shower. Yes. Oh, well, then you're screwed. Because well, yeah, then you, you don't have to do. You got to finish it. You got to. You got you to finish the shower, or you've got to. I used to do this thing where I would come up with a, a, an idea, and what I would do was I, I was nowhere near like taking a shower or whatever, and I would just keep repeating the the. I would like come up yeah. with three or four words that relate to it. I would just repeat it over and over and over in my mind until like when I get out of the shower, I'll write it down. Of course, you know, then I uh, um, I. Uh, get out of the shower and all that stuff and then of course something distracts me like uh, my dog is like under my feet or something and then I'm like oh, no, what the heck was what was I gonna write down I kept repeating it and now I can't remember it so it's I think that's like uh, the process of natural selection I think if we, if we were able to get all of our jokes down we would have probably way too many jokes it's the natural <laughs> selection of comic that's, ideas survival of the most memorable yeah, exactly. Maybe the cream rises to the top, not necessarily, but um, I don't know. I feel like you know, I forgot. I can't say that it's all cream. I think there's a, some, you know, some sour cream in there. <laughs> but, but you know what, guys? Um, uh, there's another thing I was going to ask you guys about. I was listening to a uh, a podcast uh, recently, and they were talking about uh, readership. And I know you guys have brought this up a few times in some of your other podcasts. And they were saying that um, it's harder now to get readers um, to to come to your site because of you know the the natural process is there's so many comp uh, competing uh, venues for people to see and 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 uh, how do you how do you get more people looking at your work and that kind of thing and uh, the end of the podcast I was listening to it and I, I got really depressed because uh, they didn't really have any conducive concepts on how to bring uh, readers in. Uh, their thought was, okay, you got to step outside of the web comics community and get out further where you could get people that maybe would like your your stuff, but they're not necessarily web comic readers. But, um, how do you guys 
feel, I mean, I know that it's really changed a lot uh, since I started. Uh, it's uh, the, the, the avenues to get people to come to your, to your, uh, to your site have, they're, they're changing and they're evolving. And, uh, um, do you guys have any insight on that? What do you, what do you, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on readership and, uh, expanding your, your, uh, your, your base, your brand. And is that too general a question? Or no, no, I, I think I'm, We've talked I'm about to this. I respect you guys' opinion about things. And what what do you think? I mean, would you would you admit that uh, that it's changed the 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 scope of things have changed, in even in the last year or two? Yeah, um, considerably. It's not quite so easy to get people interested or or to even know. So uh, we're, we're we're selling a pro- we're selling a product. We're selling it for free, and so are twenty thousand others. Exactly, and, and that number has grown. That number has actually uh, almost doubled over since we started. Yeah, probably the, it's just the past four just, or five years. Just, so. just, just about doubled. And then, so on top of that, you have social spaces used to be a lot more simple. Now you have social spaces, and therefore content spaces spread out across the net. You've got Facebook, Twitter, Imgur. Um, uh, you've got Reddit, you've got StumbleUpon, you've got Funny Junk, you've got uh, Cheeseburger Network, you've got so many different places that people go for content and so many different feeds they're following. And those content feeds are content feeds of content feeds. Like, they're literally, they're pulling from everyone else's content. And so now the chances that people are actually making it directly to your site uh are much lower my so my i guess my take on it and it's not helpful um what you're not gonna be helpful no i i'm not i might actually be helpful i'm gonna let you go first okay yeah that's probably a good order to do Uh, okay let's do that um the, the way i look at it there's no there's no get readers quick scheme that's really gonna work anymore you can't to be fair i don't think there was before really no probably not no um but Despite all of these people producing webcomics, every single one of them has a unique voice. And there will be a group of people um, that is really attuned to that voice, and to many others, but, but also to yours, and that your absolute best bet for finding those people who, who really want to hear from you is persistence. You can't get to them magically. But if you go at this for long enough, if you produce your content regularly and you do it for a really long amount of time so that you're established, so that you're out there, so that you know your, your, your material is getting distributed just that perfect amount to be occasionally observed by these people you're targeting, it's just going to grow. It's going to grow organically, it's going to grow slowly, but it's going to grow. And it's going to start to become the thing that you want it to be. So my, my <clears throat> angle on this, and I actually think I might know, I'm wondering if it's the podcast I'm thinking of where they talk about the concept of, uh, oh man, webcomics are so totally over, and I'm still going to keep my webcomic up, but I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to focus on growing myself locally. Is that kind of the point they were making? I think the, 
you might be talking about the same one that I'm talking about, but the, the general overall thing was that, uh, you know, the people that had started 10 years ago are the ones that are still going to stay on top, and everybody else is just going to have to fend for themselves and kind of think yeah, it was the advertising box kind of a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> no, it was actually kind of depressing because I, I thought uh, these people are established, and I thought, well, surely they've got some insight. And basically they were saying, um, well, um, you know, uh, advertising is what you need to do. And then those of us who don't really have a lot of big budget for advertising, we have to do what we can. And, uh, you know, I understand that. But, you know, then you're just advertising amongst other web comics. No, it's, it's and, absolutely true. 100%. And that, what, what it is is, really what it is is um, it's kind of a, um, everyone is in the same little uh, uh, swimming pool and we're all trying to get readership and we do share readers and that kind of thing but I think we're just um, somebody said that we're in a swimming pool that's floating in the ocean and we're inside this little pool but the ocean is humongous and there's all these readers and possible uh, people that might be interested in what we're doing but we're staying in this little uh, plastic swimming pool or whatever so part and the, the analogy yeah. was that that there's a great big audience out there which i, I know there is uh i don't know how many of those people like uh comic strips or would be interested in what what i have to offer in particular i think like what you guys are doing it's more it has a, a more of a of a bite as far as what people uh are interested in uh, you know you're you're always kind of referring to some of the new games and some of the new technology and that kind of thing. I think, uh, you know, you have a, a, a big, a bigger chance maybe of getting outside of the web comments community because there's a bigger audience out there for what you, you know, some of the subjects that you touch on. You know? So, so part, part of me, part of me agrees with you, which means that the other part of me disagrees. Um, <laughs> So the, the concept that they're talking about, and, and, and I get what it is, it's, it's this whole concept of the microcosm world that is webcomics being a very, uh, pardon the term, incestuous community, as in the community continues to grow, it has a limited feeding potential, uh, you know, and therefore limited growth potential for new comics that are coming into it, as you put it, the, the ones at the top stay at the top and the ones at the bottom, you know, fight for the scraps. But the, the way I kind of see it is if you have the wherewithal uh, and, and the time, with anything, you can achieve uh, some kind of, of popularity. You can market anything to anybody with the right uh, marketing angle and the right amount of time. So to me, the concept ends up being about casting a really wide net. So there are some that cast a really, really, really wide social media net, in which case they're hitting all of the sites as much as they can they're hitting deviant art they're they're hitting the 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 you know the the image sites they're hitting everything they can they're constantly broadcasting their message they're advertising they're doing regular tweets they're doing regular blog posts they're active constantly the problem with that method is it can be extremely exhausting for some people especially if this isn't a full-time thing the other, yeah. the other option in terms of casting a wider net, and this isn't 
maybe this isn't the same podcast. The podcast I heard was talking about the concept of trying to act more locally, as in rather than trying to focus your attention through the internet, through limited webcomic channels, focusing your attention on trying to grow your brand locally with people who wouldn't necessarily be into webcomics, but might actually be into real comics. So that's doing conventions, doing local comic book appearances, releasing books in different ways, shapes, and forms. Because, I mean, that's the other thing. is like, maybe there is a significant audience somewhere that is ready for a zombie boy book or a zombie boy book series. And then there's other angles that you go after, you know, like, do you go after animation? Do you go after, um, you know, children's material? Like it's, and, and so I hear people talk about all these different angles where their material, none of our material is appropriate for a children's book, but our material might actually be appropriate for some kind of animation. It could also be, uh, you know, really good in uh, a college newspaper, that kind of a thing. So it's, to me, there's a lot of possibilities. It's just a matter of figuring out which ones to tap that work best for you and having the time to execute on those things, which is the more daunting of the tasks. But to just say that, like, everybody who's come into webcomics in the last five years is going to be at the bottom forever... I don't think that's realistic either, because I think that things will change. I think that eventually people will get bored with the way that things are, with the standard conventions, and they're going to want something new. And the same thing happened with newspaper comics. People wanted new things, and, you know, along came Peanuts, along came Calvin and Hobbes, along came... Like, it's... it's there's a natural progression and evolution. They're the kings in this time. That is not forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's all a matter of, of uh, well, you know, I've always heard, you know, that if, if you had a, a niche, you know, that there's a there's a group group of people for your niche. This interview, they were talking about how now it's almost like niches don't really work because you're not going to find enough people, uh, you know, that uh, that might be interested in that because you need a, a bigger group of people. And uh, I, I I don't know. I, mean, I will admit that in the, the four years I've been doing uh, my strip, that um, things have really changed a lot. I've seen um, I've seen a lot of things change. Advertising, I've heard, is down. Um, it is, there's, yep. There's a lot of uh, competition now, and, and uh, advertisers don't want to pay the kind of money they paid before. And, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, it's evolving, and then you know you've been. Uh, we've been told that crowdfunding uh, uh, is a way to go, and then I've heard now that uh, you know uh, Kickstarter and and uh, Patreon are uh, kind of over getting oversaturated, and, mm. and there's a lot of competition, and people's money just doesn't stretch as far as it did. And you know, I, I I'm not trying to look at everything in a negative way. I've just uh, been kind of wanting to hear some positive. Uh, you know things about the the industry as, as far as from from a different viewpoint. The, the the interview I'm talking about in particular, it was just really kind of depressing. I was just uh, listening and I was like, man, don't, don't you have anything? I mean, you guys are successful. Don't you have anything like you could, you know, uh, tell people that they could do? You know, the biggest thing they said was you know advertise and spend money. So she, and they were saying, well, you know, 
a lot of people don't have those kind of big budgets to advertise every month. I, I know I don't. I there, there are other more grassroots and guerrilla marketing techniques that, that people utilize and that, that you can try. There are, there are really good books out there on, on those kinds of uh, marketing techniques. So, I mean, those are the kinds I, I think I would recommend. Like, actually, Saeed is a really, really good resource mm-hmm. on that front. Like, he consumes that stuff constantly and is really really knowledgeable on that front the I'll, other I'll, thing the sorry i i really like to have you guys uh, get him on and do an interview with him and and kind of go into some of the uh depth with some of this stuff because uh you know i i can i don't consider myself uh, a newbie uh, at advertising i mean I, I do have a lot of experience but it's because the market is changing so fast uh that uh, some of the stuff that did work uh, it, it's it's it, it's we have to come up with new ways to approach uh, the stuff that we've we've been doing. So, I think it's it's I I, don't know, it's, I guess it's hard to look at it in a, in a positive way. You're well, right, but it's it's kind of exciting to think about um, the new generation of people 100% being raised with the internet in their lives. I think web comics just at that point become a much more natural state. The 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 comment that. Um, you know, your, your niche is too small now. I, I feel like it's only going to grow as the population of like internet focused people just, just expands until it's most people. Well, and the, the other thing I kind of want to say is that, that on the flip side of this, as much as we target the new things, uh, like the, the new subject matter, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the double-edged sword approach with that and say our relevance for older comics also has a shelf life, whereas I would argue that your comics don't Timeless. have that. Yeah, they're shelf time, life. You go back three years and you read something about a game announcement from the time, <laughs> and it's just like we had to be careful putting the book together that it, we didn't put in anything that just would not. You know, uh, Wait, uh, hit, God. hit well with anybody who hasn't been around for for that specific make a reference event. to like a like a, a really obscure Metroid game, like like the specific Metroid game that we made a joke about two years ago. Years from now, people are going to look at that, and most of them are like, oh, I don't remember that. With, which whereas is your comic, and and the other thing is like, you are. You are you can post more consistently than we do. You're three times a week. We're still only two. Your art is still way more consistent than mine. That's just a fact. I won't dispute that. <laughs> See, I get to throw out the compliments too. Um, and and the thing of it is, like I think you have at least from what I've seen, especially in terms of your comments, I think you have a really strong readership and a following. Now, is it is it big enough for that to be sustaining? No, it's not at that point. But I think. Your comic has a potential to be sustaining in the sense that you ha- that you get a more dedicated readership, a more dedicated fan base, given where you at where you're at with your comic. That's just from where I said. Well, I appreciate uh, the, the kind words. I'm uh, uh, as far as the, the topicality of my work, uh, that was a conscious effort I made from the very beginning. Uh, that I didn't want to look back in two years and go, uh, who was that guy again? I mean, uh, I don't remember, uh, 
you know, they're no longer in the spotlight or whatever. Ronald Reagan? What? No. <laughs> you want to go a little more current, it's like Gangnam Style? at the same style? time, you know, that, that's like you say, uh, it's a double-edged sword because, uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of gags that I came up with and I couldn't use because, well, you know, that's not going to be relevant. Is there anybody you know, buying... with those kind of ideas. Yeah. But at the same time, it's that instant gratification, you know, where that's what people want and that's, you know, that would be what would bring audience in and then once they come in you'll have uh you know fans to want to read whatever it is that you put out it doesn't really matter if it's topical at the moment it's that's all that counts but that's why i like tough and wiener in that sense better getting back to that again because oh, that, then that is probably out of all this well i don't want to even say that i just say that is a concept that has a lot a long life to it and the, and the things that we bring in, like I, I look at, I look at the regular comic actually more like an advertisement for us. And at some point, and we have to do this still. The Brothers Oliver site will launch, yeah, and then that will be the brand, and then the comics underneath it will be the things that people come out to see. And then the more topical stuff might be the thing that gets you in, but hopefully once we get you in, you see something that catches your eye that's got a little bit more uh, longevity. Anyways, we have questions from the Twitterverse that I would very much like to ask. All right. Excellent. Bring them on. Excellent. All right. John Sparza, John's Crazy Tweets. Writes, will the zombie bugs ever get a spinoff? What are some of your favorite web comics? And poutine or fried chicken? Yeah, he, he snuck three in there. Oh, no. I think he did that. That was a trick question, wasn't it? Uh, that, that, especially that last one? Yes, especially the last one. Especially that last one. That's harsh. I'm going to answer it one way, but I think he's really secretly expecting me to answer in a completely different way. I, I would like Suppose you. I'm from the deep south. What does he expect me to? How does he expect? <laughs> I I would like you to be honest. I would like you to be there. There is there will be no judgment here. Uh, well, uh, let's start with uh, uh, the first question. What was it again? Uh, will zombie bugs ever get a spinoff? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say hi, John. Um, I don't know. You know what? Uh, these these ideas they they just come. And then I just run with them until I get bored with it. And uh, then I'll move on to something else. I have a, a new storyline I want to start here soon. But uh, I don't know. I really can't answer that question. All I can say is um, uh, as long as I'm having fun, I'll just keep doing it. But uh, a spinoff is not anything I have any, uh, any time uh, to do anyway at this point. Because it's hard enough just to get the strip out three times a week. Um, but... Uh, I'll just have to uh, keep him tabbed on that, that question. I'm not really quite sure how to answer that. Okay. This this second one also seems dangerous. The What what are some of your favorite webcomics? Uh, we've oh, been God. trapped with that one before. Oh, God, yeah. I've, I've been hit that with that one. I always just say go to my uh, links list on my website. Those are some of my favorites. Good call. Smart. And, yeah, because, you know, I, I, really, I, I really admire and respect anybody that wants to pick up a, a tool for whatever it is, digital or, or uh, traditional, and uh, do this stuff. It's not easy, you know? And you can find some inspiration in everybody's work if you look hard enough. Of course, not everybody's, but most everybody's. <laughs> uh, going, going back to the caricature? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
there's some stuff that you see and, uh, you know, uh, well, thank God they're working it out on the web because, I mean, you know, that's a, a training ground. I remember when I was first publishing, you know, back in those days, anybody could just, if you had a, a little bit of money, you could publish your own book. And boy, man, there was some stuff out there that you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks like somebody took their their high school notebook and when they were doodling in class and they made a comic book out of it. And it's just, just not very good, just to put it that way. Not, and uh, that was when you actually had to spend money. So you had to kind of put your money where your mouth was, which is really... Uh, those people must have been really interested in getting their work in print. And right. now anybody can get a scanner and scan anything, and that, that's a webcomic. So, <laughs> you know, all I can say is, uh, you know, more power to the people that, you know, there's something to be said for people that keep doing it and keep doing it and learn and get better. And and I think if, as an artist or even a writer, that uh, if you if you if you're happy with what you've got in front of you and you think you're just uh, at the top of your game, and, and you really aren't, you're never going to get better. You just, you have to, I personally feel like everything I do, I could have done it better. And I, I try to do it better the next time. So maybe that's a way as an artist or writer or creator that you can prove, you just, you're never happy. You think, oh, look at the way I drew that. I wish I, you know, I liked her. And, and in fact, uh, I'll tell you guys something, nobody really knows this, but I'll go back in my strips for like uh, four or five months ago and I'll see something like a color that I forgot to color in a spot or something, and I'll go in and I'll fix it or I'll tweak it a little bit. Just, it bothers me. Yeah. You know, but all yep. the time, it's only like if I'm going back in and I'm looking for something and then I yeah. see something, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't do color. it. I don't. I specifically, I specifically avoid that. Well, and yeah, you know what? I, 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 I try and help Brandon to not, to not, he twitches. He's twitching right now, but. Honestly, honestly though, uh, I, I don't do it. Um, I think I told you guys before. I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, when it comes to my professional work, I'm a real perfectionist. I always want everything to be perfect, and you can get it perfect down to the pixel, you know. But I don't do that with my strips. I just kind of let them fly. But you know, sometimes I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wait a minute, I forgot to color her eye in or something, and people don't notice it. They don't, they don't say anything to you, but I go back in. I need to let it fly more. Okay. I, I think that's just a matter of uh, just wanting to do your best, you know. I would it's never true. in a million years go back in my strips and redraw them or anything like that. That's ridiculous, you know? Yeah, I, that's that's a ridiculous idea. Isn't I it? never talked about doing that. No. That's insane. <laughs> it's a I mean, sense. I, if, so... you're not, if you're making a joke, I'm, I'm not, uh, you're not, are you being serious? Or I'm being actually, sarcastic? so all things considered in all seriousness, once upon a time, I very seriously talked about going back. You wanted to take our first, I don't and know, redoing twenty or thirty strips, like the first thirty or forty. And you're just like, oh, oh, they're terrible. Well, they're terrible. They're terrible. We gotta take them I down. Said, they're we gotta terrible. Them. I want them down. Yeah. I didn't just want to redo them, Mark. I wanted them down <laughs> before I was willing to put them back up. That's where well, I was at. Well, uh, well, let me just say this because uh, uh, I've thought, I've heard people talking about this. Uh, you know, my thought is. It is what it is, and, you know, when you did the best that you could at the time that you did that, and if you can look at something you did like three or so or whatever years ago, and you look at what you're doing now, and you can see this humongous uh, leap in, uh, in technique and, and, and ability, more power to you. You should not change one line of what you've done, because that is your badge of honor, you know. That is, you, you earned every one of those lines. 
Okay. And, there, and, and there's no reason why you should. I mean, can you imagine if, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know the author that wrote War and Peace, but let's say he he thought, oh, I was reading this, and you know that first chapter sucks. I'm gonna read. <laughs> I'm gonna rewrite this. You know, I think it should have a, a really happy sunny. Or you know, you could be Stephen King. Exactly. And, you know, and then get run over, and well, anyways, well, moving on. <laughs> I, I think I think everybody has their own center, and if your center says, "Hey, you know, I want to redo this. I'm embarrassed. I don't like it. It doesn't look good," you know, do it. But uh, I've moved on. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important for us to look forward, and not back, because you know, uh, it, it's funny. I took a uh, one of my earliest uh, drawings of Zombie Boy. And I fast forwarded like a couple years later, and I did a, I took one, and I took two of the frames of drawings, and I put them side by side. And my God, it's amazing how your characters change and evolve, you know. But that's part of the 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 joy of it for me. If if I, you know, they call on model, right? You have a character, and you have to draw them on model. Like say when you're animating, you can't deviate very much from, you know, Mickey Mouse looks like this, and Donald Duck looks like this, and you know. You get in trouble if you try to change the, what what they've established. But with our stuff, man, we can do whatever we want. You know, I stretch. You know, the characters change all the time. I, I don't I don't think I ever really draw them exactly the same. I try to, but you know, zombie well, boy's face morphs and changes. His nose gets uh, his nostrils get bigger and smaller, and you know, his his hands and arms get long longer and shorter, and you know, his feet get. You know, it's just I do it. Because I, that's the way I drew it at the moment, and nobody can tell me, "Oh, that doesn't look right." You know, one, I have to be the one. But that's part of what I, I like about it. Because if I had to keep doing it over and over, I wouldn't go crazy. You know, draw exactly the same. I'd have like a model sheet with each front, back, and side. Forget that. <laughs> what, look at Gore. I mean, really, if you ever get a chance, just look through like oh, over the last couple of years. It's true. He, is, he never looks the same. Quite the evolution. <laughs> You know, he'll have a like a fatty fat face or a skinny face, or he'll be taller and shorter. And like, you know, I, I just I, I draw him as I feel him. You know? One of these and days, I'm, you're just going to get like a completely random set of Picasso-looking characters. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to send that to you, <laughs> and I'm going to see what you do with it. You're in a very uh, that's what's going to happen. Uh, what's the word? What? Impre impressionist mood. I'm very impressionable. <laughs> You know what, though, uh, um, I, because I get bored so easy, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that were, if I were to actually do something like that. Just one day say, you know what, I'm going to draw everything with my left hand because I'm getting really tired of drawing with my right. Getting tired and, of uh, drawing with that dominant but, hand. I, but let me tell you, speaking of Picasso, I've always said he was the, the, the most well-paid cartoonist of all time. <laughs> that okay. guy was the biggest cartoonist ever. I mean, look at his stuff. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I can, you can't deny it. All right, the moment of truth has come. Poutine or fried chicken? Well, you know what, guys? Uh, this is kind of an unbalanced question for me because I've never had poutine, so I really oh. can't answer that. Well, that's fair. That's I've never fair. tried it. Uh, we don't have it south of the Mason-Dixon line, I don't believe. Uh, but uh, uh, one day you, the, the three of us will sit down and I'll have some poutine. All right. And that I can answer like that question. But I that feel like, like I'm uninformed. Okay, we will save. We will say. Okay, question. Very shell. Very diplomatic answer. That was good. I like that. All right. Uh, question from Schmuckman. I know you're not. 
big into the video games. But what is your favorite part of E3? I think uh, I think I told I think I responded to that question. I I, I don't have any idea. I'm not. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and answer for Mark on this. Yeah. One. Why don't you please do that? I'm going to I'm going to say uh, it's the the Mario Maker and uh, and and Bayonetta two. Especially the Princess Peach costume. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that uh, that he really likes the E more than the three. He's more of a letters guy than a numbers guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I can see that, Colin. That's yeah. a good observation. Yeah. Good observation. Wow, that was that was choice. That was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Goober and Cindy. Daniel Barton asks, what's your favorite part of the day? Oh, man. Hey, Daniel. Um, you know what? Uh, I think probably uh, after 10 p.m. Uh, until, like, say, maybe 2 or 3, I think that's when I'm the most productive. There's not a lot of distractions, and I can uh, concentrate on uh, what's happening in, in front of me and, uh, I'm, I'm here in the studio, and uh, these guys keep regular nine to five hours. Uh, right now is about the time I can start getting revved up to start doing my strip. So uh, I might be in here till two or three in the morning. So I think I'm a, a, a late night guy. I don't, I'm not I'm never. I'm not really a morning person, and I've I've had a really hard time uh, adapting to that over the years. So, yeah, and, so... And, and that leads me to a good question wow. for you guys. Uh, do you know? Uh, a lot of creative people who are more like night people. I mean, that's a common thing unless they've recently become parents. Yeah. I so would, I, I parents. would have considered myself a night person if not for the past six months of waking up consistently at about six thirty in the morning. Uh, I got you. Yeah. So well, I very quickly became a I'm going to bed at nine person. Well, what what about before before you had your daughter? What what oh. was like? What what were your normal like work hours? Were they before that? I would stay up even on a work night sometimes until you know twelve one just doing stuff, and then on the weekends I was really bad. I would stay up Friday Saturday till two three in the morning sometimes. Okay, just okay. Right. you know like uh, you know reading or looking at comics or drawing or playing guitar. Like it was that characteristic. Cause that was when I felt my most at peace. There was exactly. nothing else to distract me. Didn't exactly. have to go make dinner. Didn't have to clean. It was right. just, now I your, get to focus. That's, that was your me time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been a, a night owl type. I, I just, when I had my regular nine to five job there for all those years, uh, I got used to getting up early and being at work at a regular, you know, uh, time frame. But well, since I've been self-employed, I've shifted my schedule one more time back to the way it was before. So oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm just more productive after you know ten o'clock at night, honestly. So I hope that answers this question. I'm my most productive at about two in the afternoon. Okay. Guess I guess I'm more of a morning person than than okay, is usual well, in this trade, but. Uh, well, so when do you, uh, th this is Colin talking, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when do you write? Mm. Like, when do, do you, do you sit down and just 
right in a in a, a, a slew of time, or do you kind of just piecemeal it together, or do you um, how do you work? Because I'm interested to know like what you you know what your process is. I think my my very best writing is done when I didn't sit down with a block of time. Um, very best writing is done on foot. If I'm if I'm walking somewhere, preferably aimlessly, <laughs> and I've got story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, some good music. Um, then I'll just walk, and that's and that's how I'll write. It, it's awkward to um, to make notes. Technology's helped a lot with that. So you're 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 listening to music. You're you're creating your ideas, and you're just what do you uh, just talking them into your phone and and having it recording as you're as you're walking, or pretty much, yeah. And and, and you know, it, there's plenty of good dictation uh, programs these days. Yeah. So sometimes it'll put it right into words for me. Wow, that's amazing, man. I, I I'm I really admire that because I'm um I, I'm not a really good multitasker. I I, I can't really walk and. And uh, talk at the same time, really. I guess uh, if I find it gets it gets my juices flowing a little bit. If I'm if I'm sitting still and I don't have some kind of stimulus. Um, so if you were like if if if, uh, if Brandon were to say, hey, uh, I really, I've got this idea, maybe you could come up with some ideas, and he said, sit down at this computer right here and and, and come up with some ideas <laughs> in the next five, ten minutes. Would that be like misery? <laughs> Brandon will attest, and that's why he's laughing so hard. Okay. That that has happened, and I have had trouble with it. Colin, Colin, I want to do a comic. I want to do a comic about this. I think, I think this is kind of funny about it. Can you, can you just do it right now, Colin? Dance for me, monkey. Dance. Oh. And that, that I, I can do it. It can happen. Yes. But it's not. It's not how I do my best work. It isn't, work. and I don't think he appreciates it. Well, it's, it's kind of like. It's kind of like if, if Colin didn't give me the time I needed to process an idea, I hadn't quite formed the image in my head yet. Like he comes in and goes, oh, I got this idea for this joke. And then he just gives me the idea. He's like, why haven't you drawn yet? You drawn it yet? Do you draw it? It definitely works both ways. It, it works. It's, it's an equal thing. Like sometimes I need, sometimes you have a snap of inspiration. Sometimes you need time to process. And that's just... Well, that the the walking and, and listening to music and kind of getting your body sort of uh, in a in a different frame of, of, of mode or whatever is interesting because you know there's a lot of people that think that uh, standing up while they're drawing is a good thing. You know, uh, getting rid of the just the chair altogether and just standing there. And I've, I've seen desks that were created for artists that they say that when you're standing, you know, your blood is flowing better and maybe you're generating more ideas. I actually have a standing desk myself now. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, I've thought about maybe adjusting my desk uh, to stand, but I don't know if I could get it to go that high. Um, but, um, you know, it's. I think it's just a matter of being comfortable while you're working. If you're all right with that, that's that's cool, too. Oh, yeah, a any way that you're comfortable in that. So, so Colin, are you a, um, a, a coffee, sit in a cafe and write kind of a guy? Uh, that kind of a deal, or are you more of a get away from people and uh, uh, shut, shut the world out for a little while and just you know absorb the what you know? Are you uh, have you, are you do you sit in a in a coffee shop and come up with ideas? I've been told some people do that. I'm a little more of a get away from the world kind of guy. Okay. okay. Um, if I'm if I'm in isolation, 
Um, you know, I, that, that's when I'll get some, some writing out of thin air done. But you know what? You just you can't beat the ideas that come out from uh, a conversation oh, with yeah. somebody. Like often Brandon and I will be having a conversation that's not webcomics related at all. And one of us will say something funny because we, we do that sometimes. <laughs> and then it'll just, it doesn't always pop right away. But there'll just be a, a look that appears in one of our eyes that says, oh, wait, that, right that there, right that's a comic. Let's write right that down. Right well, that, that's very interesting because, you know, uh, when I had my uh, nine-to-five job, I was surrounded by people all the time, uh, more than I am now. And uh, they were funny times, funny situations, funny uh, off-the-cuff remarks that I changed around and made it into a comic strip. And then there's just nothing to be said about uh you know, being inspired by conversation and and, and just personalities, and uh, uh, you know, you get some really great ideas being social. You know, being around other people. Um, I, I, uh, cartoonists really are really isolated type creatures. You know, we we sit at our desk and we draw, and we come up with these ideas, and you never know where the inspiration is coming from. But um, you know, In a lot it, of cases you're really probably important to get out and and have friends and, and do stuff uh, besides work all the time. But unfortunately, you know, doing this kind of work, it's it is very solo, um, keep to yourself, and hunched over the drawing board type. I'm supposed uh, to have lifestyle. So no, I I I totally agree with you though. There is this, like when it's drawing time for me, it's like okay, I need heads down, nobody bugging me, nobody talking to me. No, I I, I don't even generally do. I am I've been known to have Skype conversations occasionally, but even then, I do not focus as well on the craft, on the drawing, on coming up with ideas on the fly, unless I have tuned the entirety of the universe out. Well, that's, that's kind of what uh, Colin was saying a little bit, too. So I it's, guess it's, maybe it's genetic with you guys. <laughs> we have a genetic predisposition to need to get away from people. Uh, I like it. That's good. Shut the world out and do your, get your work done. Yep. All but, right. Uh, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's really important to uh, have a, a quality relationships too, because it makes you wonder how a guy like Schultz was able to make forty thousand comics over the years. And I don't seem—I don't really think that he was a super social type guy. I think he just came up with all the, a lot of this stuff just on his own, you know. So it's amazing it's, the worlds that people can create in their heads. I guess that—that that really is what it's all about, you know. You know we 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 all uh, see the world in a different way. But that, but that gets back to the whole how I was comparing uh, doing these uh, strips and things uh, to uh, j uh, journals. You know, it's a it's a a, a, a slice of you basically. Ooh, it didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like oh, it. Oh man. <laughs> oh. Wow. So the uh, the obscure gents ha had a couple for you. Uh oh. Uh, they, they, they had a couple here. This could get, this could get a little, this is, this yeah. is, yeah, this is, this is interesting. We haven't crossed any significant lines, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to actually start with the second one, uh, because I like the joke I came up with for it. Uh, what music does zombie boy listen to? And my assumption is, is it white zombie? Uh, oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a bad person. I'm a really bad person. And then for some reason, what color are his nipples? Oh, wow. So. Wow, I never even. Okay. Uh, his favorite uh, 
music is death dirges. He's, he's crazy about those, man. I'm telling you. Okay. There you go. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, his nipples. Wow. I would have to say they're probably the same color as his tongue. Yeah. Although that... I've never drawn a nipples on him. I might have to do that just for, for James. <laughs> Scientific purposes. <laughs> do a, a panel where it's just a super close up of one of his nipples. Just for science. No reason, just to have it in there. This, this is the comic. This is for you, James. Dear James, this is like for a, you. He could have like a, he could be getting ritually uh, tattooed, and he puts like this, uh, you know, some kind of a, a skull on his nipple or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have to look into that. Okay. All right. But tell James. Uh, well, thanks, James. That was a great question. His, his, uh, his other question, and I really don't know where this could possibly be coming from. Yeah, I, I actually. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a James special. Uh, is Zombie Boy racist against Canadians? They, taste, they all taste the same to him. <laughs> wow, yeah. There we go. Well done. We all taste like poutine and maple syrup, <laughs> eh? Little bit of hockey puck. I, I don't think he really has a preference as long as, uh, you know, it's raw. I like it. I like it a lot. But you know, uh... It gets back to what we were talking about before, you know, back when I was first, the first go around with the character, you know, it would have been a cannibalistic um, type of situation, I guess, but I don't know, you know, I'm uh, I'm reconsidering bringing back some of those elements, like I've talked with you guys before, and uh, it's funny because uh, whenever I put Zombie Boy actually in the comic, which is kind of rare, um, it does uh, get a lot of uh, response, so... I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to bring him into a new storyline. It's going to be um, focusing on him and uh, Claustria. It's going to be another one of those spy versus spy kind of one spell over the other kind of things. Nice. And I've been planning this one out. I've had it written for quite a long time. I'm just going to go ahead and sit down and start putting it together. I think people will like it a lot. There's a there's a, a hamster wheel involved. I'll just say that. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, no, their 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 curse versus magic, uh, gets they that 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 gets fun. I I'm a big fan of those. Well, they uh, they get a good response, I think, because you know you're hitting uh, you're you're actually sort of telling a story. Uh, and uh, we talked about this before, but you know when you tell a story and, and it goes over a period of time, uh, I I just can't quite gauge it. I don't know whether people get bored. If you're telling a story longer than say a couple of weeks, or if uh, if you're actually getting more interest because there are people who want to come back and read what's going to happen next, you know. So, um, my thought I'm sitting on the fence about that, and I don't really know exactly. I can't really tell you, but it seems like the longer a storyline that I do, it seems like uh, the comments kind of taper off towards the end of the story. I think people get really kind of uh, well. I don't know if I want to finish reading this now. So I've decided that it can't go any longer than say three weeks. Like so, so over a period of nine or, or maybe twelve strips, that's about all a storyline can handle. Now I know people that are doing long form stories that go on for months and months, you know, but they're doing more of a page, like a comic page every week, kind of. Thing. Well, and so if that's the precedent they've set, then that's what their audience gets used to. So exactly. the one I'll, one thing I'll say is that for stories for us. If we do a story arc, it means that the people that are our fans will be very happy. It also means that the likelihood that new people 
are going to get in, uh, it's not as high. So the, the overall numbers are lower, but the response is higher. Um, yeah. You know, for us, especially like I mean, you do you're you're gag a day. I mean, we are essentially gag a day as well. So in that sense, and I'm 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 reaching here, but my only guess is that there's a possibility that you know sometimes readers are just like, ah, uh, yeah, you know what, this has been fun, but I really want some of those just the gags again. Like I, I want I want you to get back to the gags. Whereas like the expectation is kind of a longer form ongoing story then they're going to keep coming back because there's going to be always that hook there's always going to be oh man i can't wait to see find out what happens you know this character is in love with this character and you know this character wants to kill this character and where's that going to end up landing yeah kind well, of i thing. noticed that like with me when i do a story it's pretty straightforward it's like it goes from here and then it goes through this part and then it goes to there and I try to do a, a funny kind of a wrap-up in each trip, which is not really easy to do. Um, but, like, what's really great about a story is, like you were just saying, when you have this character over here doing this, and then over here you have this other character who doesn't really have to do with that, but it does sort of relate in some off, you know, it all comes together at the end. So, uh, you know, it's a subplot and that kind of a deal. But it's really hard to do that when you're, um, you're not able to really tell along story over a long period of time well that's and that's why they kind of end up being arcs they end up being mini stories they're not it's not something that would ever even fill a a full comic book let alone a a graphic novel and if you do delve into that you're generally going to find that you're going to want to play with different characters similar to how uh penny arcade has done that so it's basically they have their main comic with the two characters game taiko but then you've got uh, automata you've got cardboard tube samurai you've got all these other characters that they've created and these stories that they've created so that anytime they want to tell a longer form story they're like all right gabe and taiko you guys go on the shelf all right longer form story characters you guys get to come out and play now well good for them that their audience sticks around for it um i uh i tend to um get bored after so many weeks of doing the same kind of storyline, even though it's kind of fun, I just think, oh, I want to do something different. And then I'll go off on some tangent like I'm doing now with bugs. Uh, the bugs started happening right after I did this long storyline uh, that was about uh, uh, snow monsters. And I, I ran that all the way through the, the winter. And that ran for about a month. And I was at the end of it going, man, I just want to get this over with so I can get on to something else. <laughs> and then I'm on this bug tangent. But now I want to get back into doing some more character-driven uh, uh, stories. So it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, in a, it's, it's evolving. It just goes from how I'm feeling at that particular time. You know? so, I've been enjoying them. You know, they've, been, they've been very um, visual gags. Yeah, um, with no, with no uh, words because I, hate, uh, I do hate lettering. I don't, I don't like it. To do it, but I do it. You know, it's fun when I'm doing it. But um, uh, I see some strips that just have, uh, we, you know, the the, the lettering of like uh, half of the panel is just them talking about something, and I'm thinking, man, there's got to be a, a better balance. You know, to have a little bit of writing and then a little bit of art and uh, a gag, and then like uh, have it, you know, make it visually appealing as well. So you're not just, oh, I have to read all this. So you know. Uh, and also, too, if you have to explain a comic strip, I think you failed. Yeah. You know, no. if, you, if you have to explain it, like what it was that uh, 
what the gag was or whatever, uh, I don't think that was, was successful. It's true. Oh, God completely agreed. Well, Mark, we are we are well past our usual time, <laughs> as usual. All right. Which, given how long it's been, I, I am not at all surprised. Um, but I have to I have to call it at this point. As you know, I turn into a pumpkin in about ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but Mark, my friend, seriously, we really appreciate you coming on again. This has sure. been fun. Let us let's not have it be as long next time. Okay. Well, just uh, have a big uh, gong in the background and gong, and then I'll know I better shut my yap. <laughs> oh no, we, we were can wrap it up. We were happy to go over time on this one. Oh, well, it was a real pleasure, guys. We haven't spoken uh, in a while, and I, I was really looking forward to this. And I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, uh, let's just keep looking forward to, you know, getting better. And I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever you guys have coming up next. So I hope you'll have a book coming out, another another collection of some of some kind. I'd like to get my hands on the, the first one. I, I, I'd love to see what you guys, uh, how you guys put that together. Are y'all selling that? That is that is up on our site. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna order one. So that's awesome. Yeah, I know. we just we just launched that recently on our on our our new store page. Okay, cool. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll look into that. I am Brandon of Twex.com. I'm Colin of Twex.com. And I'm Mark Stokes of Zombie Boy Comics. Good night, folks.